we don't trust somebody until we feel like they understand us. Mm-hmm. You know, leaders come in and persuade. Mm-hmm. We try to get people to trust them by, this is a great deal. We can mm-hmm. do this. And, and they'll, they'll get persuasive about it. Mm-hmm. But the head is not going to believe something until the deeper aspects of the person feel like, well, I don't, I don't know about what you're selling yet until you know, what do I need? Well, Dr. Cloud, I've been waiting a long time to have you on the podcast. It's a, it's a great honor to have you with us. Well, Reverend, I'm glad to be here. Yeah. <laughs> you can go the doctor out. I'm going the Reverend. All right, route. Henry, glad to, ha- <laughs> glad to have you on the podcast. I am going to hold up your book for our audience because I got to read the manuscript before this book came out, and I knew when I was reading it in the very rough draft form that it was going to be very special and helpful. The title is Trust. The subtitle is When to Give It, When to Withhold It, how to earn it, and how to fix it when it gets broken. This is a book that will be very, very, very helpful to our uh, podcast community. If you've never read any of Henry's books before, I don't know where you are. I think you've written, what, 40 books, maybe 20 million copies sold. They likely would have heard of Boundaries, which is kind of a bestseller, um, Integrity, many other ones. But I'm so thankful for your work on trust. And I want to ask you a bunch of questions about this, but... In the spirit of the leadership podcast, I, I'm curious about your leadership journey. You consult a lot of leaders now. Was there a time in your life when you recognized that you had the gift of leadership, you led others, or you had uh, unique insight into leadership? I remember the day I found I knew I wasn't one. I mean, I was, you know, the kids got old enough, you got to get them into the van and time <laughs> to go to school. <laughs> You know, I, I never really, I, I started out as a clinician, clinical psychology, and um, went knocking on doors um, looking for a job. My first job was in a leadership consulting firm. So from day one, I've been in the field of leadership, um, walking alongside leaders and their teams and cultures and all that. And I I never thought of myself as a leader, sort of like a tour player. I'm kind of a caddy, you know, I, I carry their bag. <laughs> um, but then I few years into it, I started a company. I wanted to do a, a faith-based psychiatric hospital and did one, and that one worked. And all of a sudden, it grew, and we were in 40 different markets in the western states with treatment centers. And all of a sudden, I went, yikes, I'm, I'm leading a bunch of people. And that's when I was looking at it from the other side of the fence, so I guess sometime around then. Mm-hmm. So what's interesting to me— It's a lot easier to, to tell people how to do it than to do it. <laughs> it, it well, what, it, here's what's interesting is, is what I see in you, I see in a lot of leaders, and you are truly one of the greatest leadership minds that, that I know. And you help more of the top leaders than just about anybody that, that I know. And yet, you are hesitant to say— that you're a leader. And even in your language, you said, I started them at the clinic and then I had 40 cities and somewhere like, <laughs> you know, you know, you just look up one day and uh-oh. But, <laughs> but that, that, that doesn't just happen, right? You don't go from one to 40 without having yeah. some leadership insight, some intuition. At, you're the expert. Skin knees. And- yes, exactly. So I'm going to ask you this as the expert. Why is it that some leaders are hesitant to call themselves leaders? You know, I, I think that there are broadly that you, you find a couple of different groups. There are people that aspire to be leaders, mm-hmm. and um, there are people that do stuff, and all of a sudden 
they're creating some kind of value and there's stuff going on around them. And then they find themselves in leadership roles. And then they find out that they've got a whole second career that they never planned on. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody's good at marketing or finance or technology and they're just good at it and they're creating value. And all of a sudden they find themselves leading a team or a department and now they got a second career mm-hmm. and they have to get into this thing called leadership. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of us, we, it wasn't a, not like politicians mm-hmm. who were running for office. You're just trying to do stuff. Mm-hmm. And so probably a lot of people just never really thought that was their job mm-hmm. until they found out you better, you better be aware that it is. And you do have to study. And one of the, the reasons that, um, that, you know, I love GLN and, and the whole world of leadership development is literally people at any level quickly better find out they do have two careers. Mm-hmm. They got whatever vertical they're in or field they're in or, you know, organization or industry, but they are also in the field of leadership. Mm-hmm. And it's a discipline. You got to study it. Mm-hmm. It is. And so I want to just reiterate what you said in case somebody wasn't paying close attention, but if you're good at anything and you start to create and add value, then you're going to need additional people. And so you may be an artist or you may be a marketer or you may be an inventor, but if you're good at it, then at some point you have to be good at leadership or your lack of leadership becomes the lid to any kind of progress. You will never scale anything by yourself. Mm -hmm. Maybe an infection, but... (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, And you are, you consult some of the best leaders in the world. Would you say that everyone can grow in their leadership. Yeah, I'd say absolutely. I mean, if they're conscious and, you know, have their wits about them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do think it's like anything else, Craig. I think that, you know, there's this question, are people, are, are leaders, you know, born right, or they're right. made? I don't know, is Tiger Woods born or made? Obviously, you know, look at the talent. A little bit of both. Mm-hmm. But as he says, mm-hmm. you got to work it out in the dirt. Right. And um, it really, really requires a lot of work, and mm-hmm. you can become. I mean, one little one little snippet can change the way somebody walks into an executive team meeting, and they got that sentence in there, and oh my gosh, I got to think about that. Mm-hmm. I never thought about that before. Mm-hmm. You can learn. But the other thing is that I would say, you know, behavior change neurologically. It takes wiring to do that. So they've got to be able to be in some process, like building a muscle. Mm-hmm. You know, you wouldn't know anything about that, but um, <laughs> you got to work at it. Right. Just kidding. Are we, it, you know, it's just like the muscle man over here. It's all, you, it's camera tricks. <laughs> you, you've got to have the awareness, right? You have to take the workshops. You got to read the books and all that. But like, you know, I'm a competitive golfer and I can watch a video on a golf swing but then you got to go on the range. Right. And then you've got to have focused attention on what you just learned about, something bringing it up in real time. Mm-hmm. And then there's got to be a deliberate practice of the new behavior in a process with all sorts of relational feedback and support along the way. Mm-hmm. That builds new circuitry in the brain. Mm-hmm. And information doesn't do it alone, but it's hard to do it without the information. So right. it's a process. Right. And, and you said it earlier, and then you kind of answered what I was going to ask next, but you said you have to study it. And so I was going to ask you what appears to be an obvious question, but how do you study it? And you you started to kind of even go there, that you've got to 
it's not just knowledge, but it's a, a real hands-on application of yeah. the knowledge. Um, and then you stretch your muscles and you re- renew your mind. You're not going to do this well without other great people around you. That seems to be a key ingredient. So if you're going to go through um, and you're coaching me, I'm a, I'm a new leader and say, I really want in the next year to 18 months, I want to throw as much weight behind growing in my leadership as I can. What would you say are the elements that are going to help me propel forward the fastest? Well, I think it's probably good, you know, have a little bit of a map in mind of what you're trying to build. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to grow as a leader and if you are just starting out, um, I wrote a book called Integrity and mm-hmm. a metaphor in there is about Fantastic a Fantastic book, by the way. Must read, yes. So when a boat goes across an ocean, it leaves a wake behind it on two sides. A leader leaves a wake behind them. When they move through a company, a department, an industry, mm-hmm. They leave a wake behind them. Now, they either look like Katrina and leave a wake mm-hmm. of destruction, or they look like great leaders and leave a great wake behind them. Mm-hmm. But there's two sides to that wake. One side is the results. Did the mission get accomplished? Do we have anything to show for it? Do we gain market share? Do we gain, you know, in the church world, reach more people, feed more homeless people, whatever it is? It, w- leaders are judged by their results. Mm-hmm. But if you have a one-sided wake, you're in trouble because the other side of that wake is the relationships and the people. If they're left out bobbing up down, bleeding in the water like shark bait, that's going to be a short-lived you know, ride. And so I would have them start with some sort of um, – some sort of systematic way of looking at that. Mm-hmm. You know, start with pick one person above you, one peer, mm-hmm. and one person that reports to you, and go sit down and have lunch and say, what's it like to be on the other side of me? Well, Am I accomplishing what you need from me? Mm-hmm. And what's it like to work with me? Mm-hmm. And ask them to be as honest as they can. Now, that's going to give us some subject matter stuff to go, then we can kind of decide a path. But I would say this, that um, the mistake that a lot of leaders make is they think that leadership is only a discipline of expertise and concepts and principles that they need to know. But you're the one that's got to go out there and do it. Mm -hmm. You're the equipment that's got to pull it off. So as much or more time (laughs) has got to be spent on your personal growth in some key areas so you can execute all those things you're learning in leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, you you just wrote a great book on the way that all of our, our thinking and, and a path to, to change. Well, somebody learns that they got to go cast vision, mm-hmm. right? So now I got to be a vision caster. So I stand up in front of the board or the organization and I get up and all of a sudden this little voice in my head says, well, who are you? Mm-hmm. Think You think they're going to believe you? I mean, you were one of them last week. Well, if you hadn't dealt with the voices in your head, then you can read all the leadership books in the world, but you can't pull the trigger on mm-hmm. what you got to do. Or mm-hmm. what about what about measuring results and holding people accountable? What if you're conflict avoidant? Mm-hmm. So leaders can have all the leadership, you know, acumen and knowledge, but if they can't execute it because of our own interpersonal and personal you know, just dings and wounds and all of that, then it's going to not do well. So I'd tell them to look at both sides. Mm -hmm. I I love the question. And when you ask it, it actually made me nervous 
to picture myself asking it, but what's it like to be on the other side of me? Yeah. Is Start it? with your kids. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want a good 360, mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's a peer in the house that'll give you some real good feedback. Right. Well. So just since you brought that up, I've mentioned 360s a lot, and I'm always aware there are some people that don't know what that is. Yeah. Do you want to explain what a good, what a good 360 is? Uh, you know, 360 degrees is a full circle. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I like to think of it as kind of, you know, a sphere, right? Because as I said, we need to be getting a full circle of feedback Mm -hmm. from people above us, peers, and people below us. And here's why. The human personality can get compartmentalized. And you'll have a lot of people that do great with their board, Mm -hmm. The people that report to them love them, mm-hmm. and their peers can't stand working with them. Mm-hmm. You'll have some that are great with their peers. People underneath them love them, and the people above them say they're unmanageable, mm-hmm. and vice versa. So I think we've got to get people around the whole sphere you know, looking at us. But the other thing is that 360 really is about the whole life, and that's where, because the reality is, Craig, we all know this. What's going on in your personal life? Maybe it's clinical, maybe depression or loss of energy or fear or anxiety or addiction or a habit pattern. That will affect your leadership. Mm-hmm. And on the other side, what's going on at work is going to affect you in those areas. Mm-hmm. And so I like to get a full picture of the whole person's life mm-hmm. because it's it's a... You know, it's like those little games where you stack the blocks and right. you pull one out. We get a full picture. So what we'll do in our organization for our top leaders, and it's almost on a calendar every X number of years, you're going to get a full 360. And so what we would do is it's people would talk, basically talk about your leadership, your your life anonymously. So there's no repercussions if someone says something that you wouldn't want them <laughs> to say. And you'll have people above you, you'll have your peers, you'll have people below you, and then we'll include sometimes people even outside the organization. Certainly. Family members and such. And, and stakeholders. Stake, yeah, exactly. I mean, go and, to the investors and the customers. And I want to just say to the leaders listening right now, if you've never experienced this, it is one of the most painful gifts that you can get because it, it is painful because you're going to learn stuff that's hard to hear, but it's a gift above just about any. It's The ones I've done have helped me break through what would have been blind barriers to my leadership that I just didn't know were there that were very obvious to everyone else and can be, it can be, it's a, it's a painful gift. It is a very painful gift, but you know, there's a, a proverb, a a group of proverbs actually that talks about what a wise person looks like. Mm -hmm. And it says, correct a wise person and they will be better still, Mm -hmm. wiser still, Correct a fool and they'll hate you for it. Mm -hmm. And so you can tell a lot about a leader's character by how they utilize. I mean, you just called it a gift. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I'm a person of faith, so I always think about various verses. And and great King David said, if a righteous man strikes me, I will consider it a gift. Mm -hmm. Give me the feedback. Mm -hmm. Let me have it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if a leader is unfeedbackable, or if that's a mm-hmm. word, you got a problem. Got a real problem. You got a real problem. Yeah, it's, and it will be an organizational problem. It will be. It will be, yeah. I want to talk about trust because this is something that we 
talked about. We both are very close to the Global Leadership Summit. You're one of the most regular speakers because we beg you to come back as often as we can get you. <laughs> I talked at the summit this year on the, the idea of trust, and I actually worked on the talk before I read your manuscript because I worked. I typically work about a year ahead on a talk, which is hard for some people to believe, but it takes that for me. And I forced myself to get my outline almost done before I read your work because I knew when I read it, I'd want to copy everything. <laughs> and but there's it, something wrong with repeating stuff. I, to no, the same I know, but I it, but I I just I knew you're you're the you're an expert. And what got me before you even wrote on it, I recognized that. I knew that society was becoming less trusting of everyone and everything. But post-COVID, it seemed like going back into what I thought would be the normal environment, which was anything but normal. One of the most striking views, uh, observances, is that people aren't trusting as much. In fact, their default is to distrust. And so I want to talk to you first about the why behind the book. And is probably similar to what I'm saying, but why this message now? And then want to unpack what you've learned about the theme. Coincidentally, or lack of coincidence, I didn't really time it with um, the breakdown of trust. It just kind of happened together. Um, so I've been working with leaders for a long time, and I'll usually get called in um, in one of three scenarios. They're doing great. They want to do better. Mm-hmm. You know, the best touring pros have have teachers, mm-hmm. or they've identified an issue. Maybe um, it's, it could be a performance issue, could be a morale problem, could be a culture thing. And we're doing well, but you know, we we want to make this better. This isn't where we want it. Or the third the third one is there's a crisis. Mm-hmm. Something's about to blow up with a person or the the team or the company. And no matter what the presenting problem is, Craig. It is not very long that once you get into it, somewhere you are going to find a breakdown in trust Mm -hmm. because trust fuels everything. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, you can't try to grow, try to start a company and then scale it and, and go open up, you know, another division across, across the country. You can't be there. Right. So if you haven't picked the right people to trust, you can never scale anything. And the greater ability that's, that leaders have to trust correctly, the greater their ability to scale things. And the, the lesser ability they have, either they're going to hold on to everything and micromanage everybody and, you know, not let them go do what they do, or they're going to trust the wrong people. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've been, you know, working with this, model, gosh, for, I'm going to say, uh, a couple of decades, you know, teaching it in companies and, and all of that. And I kind of got tired of having to repeat it. And I said, I better write this down. Mm-hmm. That's really how it happened. And so, um, that's, that, that was the timing of it, but it does fall in a time where there is a breakdown in trust. And, and what I found is sometimes very simple models. If you can have a little GPS, mm-hmm. you know, put it on a post-it note on your computer screen with, with the little five elements mm-hmm. and just ask yourself, how are we doing on these things with our stakeholders, mm-hmm. with my board, with my direct reports, with our customers? Mm-hmm. It really, really helps. So uh, I almost, I wish I could play this back and repeat what you just said, because you just listed several things. So you, with our stakeholders, with our board, maybe you said with our customers, with our 
team members, we could even say with our family. That's right. And all these things matter. And we may have uh, more of a, a higher trust factor with one group and almost no trust factor with another. So let's just start with where you were a minute ago. You said in order to scale something up, we're going to have to trust people. So let's say I'm leading a growing something. I mean, unless you got a better option. I, the people, it, it, are, it's people impossible. are pretty tough. It's, it's, it's absolutely <laughs> essential. But people will ask me often the times, how do I know if I can trust someone? So yeah. if we've got five qualities, what would you? what are those qualities that we're looking for to say this is very likely or very potential or definitely a trustworthy person? Well, it's hard to say definitely. You know, bad bad people happen to good people. And mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes even the best people get fooled. So I don't want anybody that's ever made a bad hire, you know, because we've all done it, right? Or trusted somebody you found out later you couldn't to feel bad about that. That kind of comes with the learning curve. I mean, how did Bernie Madoff pull it mm-hmm. off with the smartest people in the world right. for, what, 20-something years? So you are, you know, there's you're going to get burned somewhere. But just because that's the exception, you know, we can avoid a lot of mistakes if we know what to look for. So what I tried to do with the book was kind of scour the whole world um, of everything written on trust from from business leadership to neuroscience to neurobiology, psychology, spirituality, all of that. Mm -hmm. And I always kind of like to do a factor analysis, which is a statistical term where you look at you're looking at a thousand things, but then there's they they tend to a lot of them be saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. They're highly correlated, mm-hmm. so you keep doing that, keep doing that, keep doing that, and it came down to really five buckets that you can look at all the mm-hmm. stuff on trust, and they kind of fall into these. And so that's that's where I came up with the elements. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you mean. Are you willing to tell us the buckets, sure. or do I need to send them to Amazon right now? Um, let's do both. I, <laughs> okay. I can't, okay, I can't go here, deep I'm, into I'm, I'll it. make a deal. I'll make a deal. <laughs> if you tell us to go, to, to, give, to give us a five, I will tell people you actually need to read the whole book. Well, well, the thing about the book is, and, and in fact, I just had some money from um, a national co- company that people would know call me yesterday and, and say that, that what they've done is they've taken it and sat down with their teams. Mm-hmm. And started to, and this is so cool. You go around the table and let's talk about how we're doing in these five areas mm-hmm. with our customers, with the stakeholders, mm-hmm. with our employees. Mm-hmm. But now let's really look at each other mm-hmm. and how well are we doing with each other. Mm-hmm. And that's where it really gets powerful. Mm-hmm. And the five factors. Well, n- number one, um, we don't trust somebody until we feel like they understand us. Mm-hmm. You know, leaders come in and persuade. Mm-hmm. We try to get people to trust them by, this is a great deal. We can mm-hmm. do this. And, and they'll, they'll get persuasive about it. Mm-hmm. But the head is not going to believe something until the deeper aspects of the person feel like, well, I don't, I don't know about what you're selling yet until mm-hmm. you know, what do I need? Mm-hmm. What hurts me? Mm-hmm. What makes me win? Mm-hmm. What, do I need for you to deliver for me? And this that's almost counterintuitive it because is. if I want you to trust me, then I'm going to try to sell myself. That's right. But you're telling me I actually need to understand you. That's right. Because, mm-hmm. because see, this goes into deep, deep neuroscience. Mm-hmm. We are wired like the whole system mm-hmm. neurologically, physiologically to 
take in these signals and, and the system begins to open up. You've got something called mirror neurons. Everybody's heard of those. What your mirror neurons are doing is they're focusing on the other person and they're reading how much they're reading you. And when you sense something called, psychologists call attunement, when somebody's present and with you, and basically we do this through listening and empathy, but tones and a bunch of other stuff, if somebody really, they're, you know, we've all seen people walk out of a meeting with a CEO and everybody goes, how'd it go? And he goes, he didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And what that usually means is he didn't get it because he wasn't trying to really understand what we're trying to tell him. Mm-hmm. He's not really listening. And so... It's hard for drivers. It's hard for persuaders. Mm -hmm. And it's a big deal. You know, I was talking about this one time because it does come down to deep listening. And um, I was at a leadership event. I was talking about this. And a guy walks up to me after and said, I'm the lead hostage negotiator for the FBI. Mm -hmm. Everything you just talked about is our entire training program. Mm -hmm. He said, when we go into a bank, guy's got a bomb strapped to him with a bunch of hostages, you know, walk in and start persuading them, dude, this is a bad idea. You know, you shouldn't have a bomb in here. Mm-hmm. We don't do that. How'd we get here today? How'd we get here today? Mm-hmm. Tell me how we got here yeah. today. And they start to gradually, and when that person feels mirrored, when they feel listened to, when mm-hmm. they feel understand, they don't even know it, but their system is starting to open up. Mm-hmm. You can't persuade a closed door. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many people have come home to their house and found a note on the table after 10 years of marriage and she or he says I can't do this anymore mm-hmm. and you go what? And, well they've been trying to tell you for 10 years mm-hmm. but you're trying to talk them out of it or say that's not true or minimizing or tell them your perspective we need to be heard and when you're you know if you're running a company I, I'll give you a great example of this I had a, a company one time that had a big product launch failure um, in in technology and and so we went into a post-mortem. They called me in because the whole thing was a mess. And and so we got the executive team. You start to dial it back and say, how did this happen? Well, the sales force is out there selling the products that's going to launch in April. And customers are asking, well, can it do that? Yeah, we can build that in. That's not a problem. You know, we, And they started making promises that they were going to have it built in. They had never listened to R&D to understand what that meant for the other side. And so they come back with all these features. They missed the product launch, and it was a big deal Mm -hmm. simply because nobody had tried to understand, what do you need from me? Mm -hmm. And that's where trust starts to happen. I think it's really important, and it took me years to learn that. And by nature, if I don't remind myself of that, I still tend to come in with a me-centered view of building trust rather than a you-centered view. And so... I want people to read that the whole section internalized because it's really important. If that's one is that I must be understood to trust. Yeah. What's what's the second one? Well, the second one is really bad people use empathy and care and understanding to, to, to seduce someone mm-hmm. and manipulate sure. them. So the second one is they they've got to know that your motive is not just about you and what you want. Mm-hmm. They've got to feel like you are for them. Mm-hmm. When when somebody begins to feel like you've got their back mm-hmm. and whatever you're working on, that you're watching out for them when they're not there, mm-hmm. then they start to go, I, I, don't, I don't have to guard myself. This guy's got me. Mm-hmm. 
And so they, that's a deeper letting go when, you know, you, you need something in your part of the, the organization and somebody else is talking to their team and they go, I don't know. I think this is going to screw those guys up. We better go talk to them because we don't want to cause them problems. And, and you just, you just start to feel like, have you ever bought a car and there's one salesman that you know, they're just, they're just, they want to make a deal. They want to make a deal. There's another one that, tell me how you use a car. What do y'all, what's been your, and you really start to feel like, they want you to be happy. They want you to work. Or even better yet, they tell you, you know what? I may not have what you're looking for. Isn't that the best? Yes. At that point, you're yeah, going, buy whatever you yeah, got. Right, because they, they care. I mean, how, how many times somebody that you you can't quite trust, you get an email from, hey, I want to talk to you. I've got this this great opportunity, and and you're going, Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Well, what's in it for mm-hmm. them? Mm-hmm. You know that there's something in it, it for them. You, you can feel it. Feel it. Yeah. So you if you can, can feel, feel that, how do we help them feel the opposite, that when we really do care? What what can we do to communicate that? Is it natural? Will they just see it, or is there anything that we can do to help them to feel it? Yeah, it's a good question, because I think we have to. You know, all this stuff needs to get down to behavioral anchors, <laughs> things that you can actually do. And... When you begin to under, you know, let's just take one of your team members or one of your direct reports, and they start to feel like not only, you know, do you direct them in what the company needs from them, and we're going to get there and the goals and all that stuff, but when they feel like, you know, I was thinking about you, and and what you've told me about, you know, and understand about where you'd like to get to. There's this workshop, I think, that um, I took it when I was, you know, at, at your job or whatever. And and if you want to, I'll, you know, I'll send it to you. I'll send you to it. Mm-hmm. Or some other ways that, that there's nothing in it for you. Mm-hmm. But they feel like that you're sitting around thinking, how can you make their life better? better, mm-hmm. either personally or, or, you know, professionally. And even when it comes to the work, when you know that, I mean, this goes down to the simple, all the old research about what do employees need? Well, give them the tools they need. Mm-hmm. Well, what if the company, you know, only cares about, I'm not paying for that, but mm-hmm. they really care about what it's going to be like to be out on that truck. Right. They feel like you're for them. And this is where really taking care of employees in a good way where they know you don't just care about the profits and shareholder value. You care about them. Mm-hmm. That breeds a lot. And w- what it does is it feels engagement. It, right. And so we want people to have both feet in yes. and not one foot in and one foot out. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring some context for our audience and then I'm going to shift gears and, um, I'm grateful for our time. We're both on a tight schedule today, and so we have a deadline because we both have other commitments today. So we're not going to get to all five. What I'm going to do is I'm going to um, have our team. I write, think Amazon will sell them half the book. Uh, we'll sell them half the book. But we're <laughs> going to we're going to write a um, a short summary of all five and put it in the leader guide. You can go to life.church/leadershippodcast. Get the leader guide. And then we're going to put a link to the book because what you're covering today, I think anybody can say this is so rich. I wish, I wish we had five hours to talk about this and we're going to put a link to the book so people can, can find the book. I want to compliment you because from the time I met you, I I don't remember ever not being friends with you. 
Like, I don't, I don't know the process between shaking hands with you and becoming friends because it happened so fast. And that's not true for very many people because when I met you and your first two factors would be, they're, they're both you focused. You were just very you focused. I remember early on you complimenting a talk when I'm looking up to you going, that's Henry Cloud, (laughs) you know, and you're, and you're complimenting a talk. And you said, I remember you said, here's what you did that was right. And you did this, you did this and you did this. It was brilliant. And then you said very truthfully, which created great trust. You said, and you forgot this part. It was a, I did a talk on discipline and you said, you forgot accountability that you you need accountability. If you add that, your talk is full and complete. I'm like, of course it is. And so you Hmm. complimented yeah. And then you, you were truthful and you added value and it was, it was amazing. And I just, from that moment, I, I trusted you. And every time we've been together, you've always been like, even today, how are you with a very sincere, not just a, how are you, but like genuine, like, how are you? Can I help you? And you always have that mindset. That's why it is without any reservation. I want to recommend your books to our, our community because you write to serve leaders and it shows. I want them to get to know you. Every time I recommend a book and someone hadn't heard of you, I think, where have you been? Because <laughs> like you haven't read that. <laughs> but if there's someone that doesn't know about you and your resources, where can we go to find out more? Well, you want to find out more about what I have. Uh, if you go to drcloud.com, specifically, there's um, there's two, um, two digital platforms I have. One is called Leadership University. And that's it, lead you, the letter U, L-E-A-D-U dot TV. You can find it on drcloud.com as well. But that's a, a modular online um, leadership development path and includes mm-hmm. exercises and homework assignments, a bunch of stuff um, that they can find, find right there on the web. One person can do it. We have entire huge companies that do it. Um, and then another one on the personal growth side is a site called boundaries.me mm-hmm. and I have over a hundred courses on there. Mm-hmm. So we're going to link to those sites on the, uh, on the leader guide and make sure people have access to it. When you're working with, I'm going to wrap it up with this. Normally I'd ask you some bunch, bunch of random fire questions, but you're going to get off easy because our time's <laughs> ticking. Hey, I'll do the shrink thing. Well, that's all our time for you before you get to <laughs> right. the hard time question. Is up, time is up. Um, I'm curious when you're looking at and working with leaders today and Without dropping any names, you're working with some of the best known, most visible leaders of highly profitable companies. What is it, most people would say, what do you see as alarming? What problem are you trying to solve? What do you see today that's actually exciting to you? I see something that's really, really exciting. And that is the the great leaders' emphasis on their people. Hmm. You know, it used to be... Um, you know, the HR was somewhere down the chain, mm-hmm. right? They report to the CFO or the COO or whatever. And I see, I see more and more leaders um, having a chief people officer because they see they see the talent as their most important resource, and also a great caring for them. Mm-hmm. And included in that, the other thing I see is more and more of them really getting into their personal growth because that's mm-hmm. where 
that big delta, you know, Harvard. So the leader's personal growth, leaders, the team's personal growth, their own, their own personal as growth. well as mm-hmm. you know, the first part was. And why a, does that matter? Well, you know, ask Harvard. They did a gazillion year study. Mm-hmm. You get to the to a certain level, the C suite or wherever, everybody looks the same. They got the same IQ, same education, mm-hmm. same experience, same business acumen. But there's this big delta between the high performers and the others. Ninety percent of that is how the person is glued together. Mm-hmm. It's not how well they can do technology or whatever it is. It's their makeup, how they're glued together. And they're seeing it, and they're working on it, and they're spending time and resources on it. And just to be really clear, what does that mean? How are they glued together? What am I working on if I'm trying to get my glue to stick better? <laughs> well, um, you know, way back when I started, there wasn't a such thing as executive coaching mm-hmm. and all this stuff. They've kind of lumped it in. I think, um, you know, it started 20 years ago. Now we call it emotional intelligence mm-hmm. and all of that. But but basically what we're talking about is the the leader's operating system is it's 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 the software that runs them. Mm-hmm and kind of the motherboard that runs them. And that's the personal and the interpersonal equipment that they bring to the table. You've got to be able to manage, you know, what's going on inside of you, your emotional regulation, your cognitive processes, the way you think, the voices in your head, your confirmation biases, your fears, your, you know, what if you've got wounds inside from whoever they came from, and you got a a boss or a, a board member that triggers you. Mm-hmm. I mean, there goes your leadership, right? Mm-hmm. So they're really working on the internal world, but they're also working on, you know, we're subject and object. So subjective who they are and their awareness and all that, but their their skills interpersonally because leadership is about engaging talent to get from here to there. Mm-hmm. And if you... It, or customers or investors or whoever, building the trust we need and all of that. So it's both those arenas. Well, I appreciate your mind. I appreciate your heart, your research, uh, your friendship. And the new book is called Trust. Uh, we'll link to this in um, in the leader guide. And I just want to tell you, thank you for your investment. Thank you for uh, what you do in the community. And to our leadership community, thank you for engaging. It uh, It's really an honor that you would Uh, give me a little bit of your time each month. My goal is to bring you content that really does help you grow in your leadership. If you don't have the leader guide, get it. We're going to link to all of Henry's resources that will help you grow in your leadership. Go to life.church slash leadership podcast. If this content is helpful, and I know it was, post on it. Uh, Henry may repost. I may repost. We want to do everything we can to add value to leaders and invite others to be a part of our leadership community. So guess what? Today, we all got a little bit better which is a really good thing. So thank you for helping us get better because we know that everyone wins when the leader gets better.